Welcome into another episode of the Digital Dispatch Podcast. I am your host, Blythe Brimleave, and since July, I've been planning a road series to conduct interviews with everyone from executives to creators within the logistics industry. It's been a chance for me to move those digital first conversations that I've been doing over the last year and cultivate those lessons learned in the digital first environment to an in-person conversational environment. And the difference between the two has been dramatic. As sort of a peek behind my content creation workflow, I typically over-prepare, like by a lot. But what I quickly learned during this process is that interviews don't need to be as structured when you're sitting face-to-face with someone and simply having a conversation. All of this to say that conversations like what you're about to hear in this episode are as genuine as they come. No questions were off limits and no scripts were read. Just people within the freight world sharing their experiences that hopefully you can pull a little insight from and apply it to your business. In this episode, we're talking about the introduction of technology to the freight industry and how making those choices can strengthen or harm your overall business. Guiding us through this tech transition is Sandy Vosk of Advanced Technology Solutions to share his lengthy experience with how businesses can set themselves up for success. Hope you all enjoy. Welcome into another episode of Cyberly Hits the Road. My name is Blythe Brumley, owner of Digital Dispatch and host of Cyberly. I am joined today by Sandy Vosk, who is the president and CEO of Advantage Technology Solutions. And you were just talking about how you're a developer. Can you give us a little bit of background of, of your company and, and, and what you do? Well, I'll, I was a developer. <laughs> so, you know, I like to say I, I was born into the supply chain industry because my father was a truck driver. So I, I usually begin with that. But I was really... Uh, uh, a developer, not coming out of college, I started uh, really, in, believe it or not, in uh, child welfare. Spent four and a half years working in child welfare before I decided to make a change. And because I had a strong background in analytical, technical kind of, I just said, I'm going to do this. It was uh, The world was growing in technology. And I left Columbia University, where I was going for my master's in social work, to go to NYU School of Continuing Ed. You didn't even need a bachelor's degree. And I learned how to become a developer. Wow. So we were talking about, you know, uh, backup and redundancy. Yes. And so, you know, you said the worst thing is doing something like this and then realize <laughs> it did, you, you, know, you didn't get it. Well, I said it was worse when you did all of this code and didn't hit the save button. And so very, very similar. Uh, yeah, I mean, luckily there's a lot of, uh, I guess, stop gaps, maybe people, you know, uh, websites and, and things like that, or even, you know, Microsoft Word, all of these different programs that do the auto save now, because I'm sure that they heard from a lot of people, a lot of frustrated people that when you lose work that you have been working on for hours, it is a nightmare. It's your life is over in that moment. It's true. It really is. You go, Oh my God, <laughs> that, that moment you realize it is the worst. <laughs> So, so tell us, um, so, so what, what kind of services does your company provide? So I spent, um, uh, half or more, yeah, about a little over half of my career working in the corporate world and the foundation. And I was as a developer was with PepsiCo mm. and with Pepsi, I was developing software to track the sales and promotion of the products that they sold through their franchises. And it was just, a Pepsi was a fortune 50 company. Uh, way ahead of their uh, time in terms of using handhelds and just route management hmm. and loading trucks. It was a tremendous company. But 
over the years, I was always looking to grow and where were things going and how do I, you know, match my skills. And to make a long story short, 18 years ago, I formed my own company, Advantage Technology Solutions, and we focus on manufacturing, distribution, and logistics companies, helping them make better decisions in technology and not just on buying it, but implementing it so they get mm. the business benefits they're seeking. I love that you mentioned that because we're here at at Ignite, but hosted by PCS Software, and it's a technology logistics conference. It's the first one back. How does it sort of feel like being back live with other, you know, people in real life at a conference again? You know, I have to be frank. You know, I had some anxiety, Mm -hmm. you know, about coming. And, you know, at first it was like, great. I can't wait just to be back. And then, of course, you know, you you listen to the news Mm -hmm. and it makes you uncertain, right? But it's just such a good feeling. The hotel, you know, it's done a tremendous job and as well as everybody that's facilitated it. And there's nothing like being together. You know, I'm a mobile warrior, you know, like George Collins said, a modern <laughs> man. Uh, but, you know, there's nothing like being with people. The energy flows between people when they're together differently than virtually. Absolutely. I, I've been doing this show since March of this year and, and the night and day difference between having a conversation with somebody over like a, a I guess a, a Zoom call on steroids versus in person is just dramatically different. You can't control a lot of the settings that are around you. And I think that that sort of speaks to, to everyday life, but it really is the conversation just flows so much better when you're in person. And so, so being at this conference, you you, you've moderated panels, you're, you're, you're speaking during it. Uh, tell us a little bit about the, those takeaways, because by the time this airs, you, you'll, you'll essentially be done as far as like teaching. So, so tell us about the topics that, that you're speaking on here today so, or this week. I'll start with that. Thank you. Um, and it was really a thrill. And, and I was really very honored when uh, Tony Vidiello, you know, asked me to present. And, uh, and the topic was supply chain digitization, which is, you know, a hot topic. And, you know, so one of the things that I'm really proud of is I'm president of CSCMP's New York, New Jersey roundtable. Oh, For those that don't know, that's council supply chain management professionals. And Tony's uh, on the board with me in marketing. So, you know, we've had a good relationship. But to be able, you know, to present, um, and what I did was, which is just amazing, and you know from Freight Waves the value of CSCMP, um, used their research. You know, I went online and just got some tremendous new research, which I used in my own presentation to help companies realize, like, what's driving them today? Hmm. What's driving you outside customers? What pressures are you feeling to improve your technology? And what obstacles are are you facing uh, that are preventing you? Hmm. And, you know, most companies have it, whether it's money, whether it's people having the right resources, uh, whatever it may be. And then I spoke about what Advantage Technology Solutions does and just really gave a roadmap of how to move forward in this climate of uncertainty. More, un- There's nothing that's steady underneath us. It's more volatile than ever. But, you know, you we have to move forward. You can't stay... It's not safe to stay in your, your one place. It's Absolutely. So, so let's dive into a little bit of those uh, d- technology advancements because it, it feels like there's so much that's been coming into the space over the last few years. Get, walk us through what uh, some of those common challenges that you're facing. What, what kind of companies are, are you working with that, that are facing these issues of, of what to buy and, and how to fit it into their, their tech stack? It comes from all angles. Mm-hmm. I mean... Um, I'll start from the positive. I always like to begin with the positive. And 
it's amazing how manufacturing is rebounding in America. We mm. went through outsourcing everything, not everything, but a lot. Damn near to everything. Asia, <laughs> right? Because it was cheaper. And, but now it's not just about near sourcing. Then it was like, maybe, you know, we should lessen our cost by let's move some of it to Mexico. Mm. But now it's about, you know, resourcing in America. And it's not merely because of finances. It's because of past investment. And our companies are ready for it to uh, l utilize technology and compete. And this is going to be fueled by the infrastructure bill, even more so. So manufacturing companies, uh, distribution companies are have been swaying trying to uh, evolve into a, an omni-channel world hmm. where they only sold to retail. And now we're providing services to their website and we're selling directly. And they don't have the technical internal talent to really, I have a challenge to keep up. Hmm. One of the reasons I come to a conference like this is to learn. So how could somebody who's they're totally devoted to what they do keep up with all the technological advances. Right. It's very challenging, I think, for a lot of these companies because they're just focused on survival mode and they're not focused on growth mode just yet. At least, you know, some of the, the luckier ones can be focused on growth while some of these other ones are just just treading water and, and trying to survive the, the storm. It looks like, you know, we're kind of coming out of it, um, but there's still an incredible amount of difficulty. Um, you, you mentioned the, the infrastructure bill that, that was uh, just recently passed, I believe. Are there What's any... It's still, in it's still it's still in discussion. Are, are there any key components within that infrastructure bill that you, that you think are really going to help some of these manufacturers? You know, um, all of it is going to help. You know, in the U.S. in terms of investing in infrastructure. The one thing it's really not even being spoken about uh, much. But I'm a people person. I'm very sensitive to people, and I really lead with the people component. It's not about managing technology. It's about managing change. Mm. And change begins with the people that work in the company. And so one of the facets of this that I think is really critical is improving broadband without the, throughout the United States. When I heard it was bad enough to deal with all the issues of the pandemic, but poor people were trying to work from home and didn't have a connection, have to sit outside a Starbucks in a parking lot or something like that to connect. This is just... It's not that even fair. There's no reason for it. We should right. be investing uh, in America to enable everyone from wherever they are, anytime, anywhere, to have that kind of connectivity that they need. And I, and I think that's um, with solutions like uh, like Elon Musk's uh, Starlink system, which is trying to provide that internet service to rural areas. But even then, like it, it, like you said, in, in the cities, there, there's people that that have to go to a Starbucks or go to some other location in order to get a decent Wi-Fi signal. Uh, it, it's one of those things that. It, it, this was this should have been invested in years ago, and a lot of these big ISPs just chose they, they got a lot of money from the government, and then they chose not to invest in the things that that they got the money for. And so now we're dealing with this massive influx of people who are doing everything online, and they're not they, they're not equipped in order to handle it. And even from a you know a, a parent situation where they have to to help their kids while they're also trying to work, it's just creating the, these extra obstacles that it, it's it's difficult to see where where the pathway is for moves forward. Because even with the Starlink situation, it's it's almost like four hundred bucks, I think, just to get the mini satellite that sits in your house or, or sits outside. I I don't know too many people that that you know would would take up on that offer unless you have the funds in order to be able to purchase something right. like that. And, and and now you know whether it's 
PCS or any of the uh, software providers where everything's on the cloud, everything's about connecting to the internet. And so, you know, I've been using a line for years. Actually, I came to me from uh, when I ran a 7x24 365 organization mm -hmm. that you're only as strong as your weakest link. Mm -hmm. You could do everything right, but whatever that weakest link is could destroy everything. And in this case, it's connectivity. Mm -hmm. You can have all this great opportunity, but if you don't have ample connectivity in your business or your warehouse or for your drivers to connect and communicate, then the ability to share information real time is gone. Right. And so I, another one of the, the hot topics that you were discussing that you were a moderator on, and I, I caught this panel and it was really fascinating. It's about sustainability. Uh, can you give us some key takeaways of, of what you got from that conversation? First of all, it's just amazing. And again, why, why come to conferences? Because you get blown away by what you don't know is going on. Right. And so, uh, just with Detmar Logistics and what they're doing with electronic vehicles today, and they just posted this morning that they're adding 300 more. So this is amazing to me that, you know, companies are not, you know, while companies, we just came from a session where someone said they ordered a Tesla truck and they have no idea when it will <laughs> arrive, but they're also, this is reality, right? Mm -hmm. There's some that's future, but there's some real business uh, utilization right now in 2021 that's amazing and can be modeled. And, you know, if they're getting success, then it could drive success elsewhere. So that was one. The second, and this is really uh, key to me, uh, and I think last year, is really demonstrated, not just in the United States, but globally. Uh, it's about people and, you know, paying attention to people. Uh, and that's really important in overall sustainability from a consumer perspective. How are companies treating their people? And is there diversity, equity, inclusion, all of that? This is not just a nice to have. Hmm. This is now becoming more and more important in the buy decision, which makes, you know, companies more uh, uh, focused on it. Hmm. And they know they have to deal with it. And the other piece of this is really uh, managing your uh, the companies you work with, your suppliers, and, you know, what are they doing? Because consumers are paying more and more and more attention to it. So, and again, the infrastructure bill and, and climate is now becoming more focused uh, from a national perspective. So I think these are, these are forces in motion that will continue, and I think those are really positive. And it's all, it almost goes back to the central theme that you, you have to adapt to survive, especially with not, not just on the people side of things, but the technology side of things. So, so true. But it, as it is, it, it's not. So you know why I say that? Because technology is not always the answer. Hmm. And, you know, I don't believe in technology. For, I love technology, but it's not for technology, technology's sake. It's, it has to, it's a tool. And only if it's utilized correctly do you gain benefits from it, like any tool. So it's really about applying technology in a business, how and where one gets the greatest benefits. And why I said that is that, you know, there are third-party logistics companies out there that are still, you know, they're bringing corrugated pallets, and they don't see the need for even barcoding. And if they could manage and they have strong enough processes and they're making money because people continue to fill their warehouses, they're not as motivated to improve their technology. But if you're in e-commerce, if you're in fulfillment, if you're, you know, uh, dealing with not just uh, pallets, but cases and eaches, and the return of those, which is a whole separate, 
Nobody in this conference yet has talked about reverse logistics and the secondary market, which in my opinion is going to really take everything that we've just talked about tenfold. Right. Because what's the, what's the point in, in offering e-commerce solutions if you don't have a good reverse logistics plan? And that's a really good point. I, I think that that's something that isn't being talked about enough. How are you helping companies with their, with the decision of what kind of technology to, to purchase or, or to invest in? Because it, it seems like it, you, you hit the nail on the head with, with processes. If somebody is stuck in their ways as far as their processes are concerned, but maybe they see a, a room for improvement in, in certain areas, how are you approaching that conversation uh, in, in order to, to advise them on, on, on what tech to even add to their tech stack? It's such a great question. So, you know, I, I always begin with, you know, where are you? So what I like to do is, is stop the executives. And, you know, if I get engaged in a project with a company, what I usually do is help them document their requirements. Mm -hmm. And whether it's for software or automation, um, this is no longer just a financial decision or an IT decision. It has to be a cross-functional decision. And so all of the parties that are impacted, operations, customer service, but sales and marketing, every person in that company that's involved needs to be involved in the decisions from looking at the vendors to the final uh, decision on that. And that's really the most critical thing. And out of that, once you have a clear understanding of, where you are and what you're seeking, then you could start looking at vendors that may match that. Hmm. And you start looking at how well they match that. And, and so you, you brought up marketing, which is uh, which I could talk all day about. And, and, and you're also what I, I loved about your profile is that you're also a podcaster. You, you started creating content. Can you tell, tell us a little bit about why you wanted to start creating content and, and what you've learned so far? Wow, that's such a great <laughs> question. So First of all, you know, sometimes it's just karma, right? And things just happen. And, and so I had followed a colleague from my Pepsi days and, uh, he started uh, doing some digital content. And because of the pandemic, you know, I, I decided to do a, a series on the impacts of the vaccine and really look at it from a supply chain perspective. Cause I, what I said to myself was this is the greatest supply chain challenge in history. Distributing these vaccines are the greatest supply chain challenge in history. And not only is just that in and of itself going on, but the technologies that are fueling that, think about the sensor technology, what we're doing to keep, you know, the, the Pfizer, Moderna uh, vaccines, you know, at the proper temperature. That's now going to transfer to the whole food industry. And that's about to evolve in a, just a magical way globally hmm. and totally change how food is distributed around the world. So I did a 12-part series on it and really looked to use it as how do you take a lesson from, you know, uh, uh, managing capacity, uh, distribution, technology, and applied it to day-to-day -day business and supply chain. So companies and executives could look at, okay, this is what's going on in that there's a lesson here that I could utilize and, and learn. So I felt really good about it and got some tremendous feedback on it. And what were some of those lessons that, that you learned that companies should, should be taking advantage of after studying the, the vaccine distribution plan? So, so there's so many lessons. <laughs> you know, just think about one of the things that I really talked about yesterday. Such a great question. Thank you for asking that. It is about, you know, I didn't think this was a good plan. We had Operation Warp Speed. 
And I spoke yesterday that failing to plan is planning to fail. And Operation Warp Speed was about, you know, uh, getting the vaccines and storing the vaccines, but not distributing the vaccines. It had nothing to do with distributing the vaccines to the states, to the cities, to the people. And that was the whole in the plan that the Biden administration, you know, uh, inherited. And so that's such a valuable lesson about planning and thinking through planning. They didn't plan for the last mile. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And then it was about, you know, okay, going back to my, you're only as strong as your weakest link. Well, think about the challenges people had in just, uh, using systems that aren't good to begin with in hospitals, et cetera, to, uh, register. And, you know, get an appointment for a vaccine. Those systems are broken. They're horrible. You know, voicemail messages, oh, call back tomorrow. So really valuable in terms of, you know, how do your customers try to connect to you? Uh, demand planning, right? Uh, did we have enough? Do we have too much? Hmm. What do you do with it? What happens if you have too many vaccines and they have a shelf life of so many days? You certainly don't want to waste them. You need to be monitoring, tracking the... Uh, FIFO, first one in, first one out, or in this case, FIFO, first expiration date, first one mm. needs to be out. That, that's a, such a good point because I remember early on when, when the vaccine was first being released, it, people were clamoring to get it and they would be just be waiting in a parking lot, just hoping that there would be extras that would be given out that day. And even though you weren't part of the, uh, part of the original rollout plan, which is the, the, the elderly and the vulnerable, then you could just sit in the parking lot and you could just hope that they would have extras left over because I, I thought that that was a, a fascinating sort of look into the human psyche of, of where these failures were happening and, and the demand of people waiting in just in a parking lot to see just by chance if there were going to be some extras available. Absolutely true. And, and one thing I, I was thinking of it as you were just saying this, I just mentioned in the last session, which was a phenomenal session about where technology is going and AI and machine learning. I said to really get the maximum benefits, it's can't just be an internal focus. It has to be collaboration mm-hmm. because that's really where the maximum benefit is. And so even that I used, you know, when you looked at the collaboration between FedEx and UPS, splitting the nation, East Coast, West Coast, we'll handle this side, you handle that side. And to be able to do that, you know, for Pfizer was just phenomenal. You know, companies working together to get it done. And I just traditional really competitors that. too. That I mean, you you would have never thought that uh, competitors like that heated competitors. Which there's a fantastic podcast series, uh, Business Wars, that covers their history and how they they started. So it, I thought that that was even more. You brought up a great point with them two working together after they have had heated competition over the last you know sort of few decades, which I think is what was kind of cool to watch. Switching gears a little bit, what are a few things that you're thinking about today that you weren't thinking about 12 months ago? Hmm, that's a that's a tough question. I have to think about it. Because I know you it, mentioned collaboration. I think I that, think the that's challenge the right now. Ones. The challenge right now is, I believe companies because they're being challenged, want to make quick decisions. And, you know, there was something, and there's a, there's a school of thought that says, you know, fail fast, fail cheap. (laughs) And if you're trying certain things and you have the depth and breadth and money in an organization, you're a Phillips Electronics, God bless you, you know, (laughs) but there's a lot of 
there's a lot of companies that are struggling. They don't have enough people. You know, the shipping containers are five times to ship something from Asia as it was the previous year. So they, they, they want to make rash decisions. And it's tough to slow them down or uh, how do you how do you engage them in a way where they slow down enough to make a quality decision? Because making a bad decision on a transportation management software, warehouse management software, ERP, it's not just costly. It could be catastrophic to a company today. Wow. And it's not just the money. It's the, the diversion of the staff mm. and then the frustration that it didn't work. If you put customers on the system and now it's not working and you have to back off, you know, so emotionally, mostly to the customers. If there's impact to the customers, then you're really in trouble, right? And I've been in situations like that. I've been called in where companies have made bad decisions and then, you know, in the fire brought me into, hey, you know, we need you to help us get out of this. And uh, What were some of those situations like? How did you help them get out of it? And did they ultimately survive? Yes. So oh, I'll, I'll give you one, you know, uh, you know, and these are companies that are uh, case studies. Some some are actually giving me video testimonials mm-hmm. on the website. But in this one case, they made a bad decision on their own. Warehouse management software put it in. It wasn't working. Uh, I knew the vendor, and you know, this vendor just was was one of the least professional vendors I had ever met. Mm-hmm. In fact, I invented a term: uh, customer disservice. Because I've never saw anybody mistreat customers. And to me, I'm about customer obsession. I'm like Amazon, customer obsession. You're in the service industry and you're not focused on your customers. You're not going to be around long. So they had made a bad decision. Their customers are angry. So I helped them make the right decision, pick the right warehouse management software, and help them transition this customer that was angry first and get them on the platform Mm. with EDI and exchange of information all well. So I didn't just satisfy my customer, I satisfied their customer. Oh, that's brilliant. I love that. And so uh, from all of these learning experiences, how is this, you know, you started creating content, you're, you're, you're helping all of these companies, not just only with, with their own uh, decision making, but also with their customer decision making. Uh, how are you evolving that into your plans for, for your company in the future? Is it more content on the horizon um, or more special series planned? How are you approaching sort of this next year? It's, thank you. Um it's already evolving. You know, one of the things I, I really like, uh, and to have the opportunity to do it here, not just to present, but moderate a great panel on sustainability, be with you on this podcast. I want to do more of this. And, you know, I, I've done it not just individually. I've done it as uh, a member board of CSCMP, CSCMP. We put on great uh, webinars. And so I want to do more and utilize that position to, achieve more by reaching more people. I'll give you an example of what, you know, already doing, you know, because some of the folks are part of New York City Economic Development Corp, uh, Port Authority, New York, New Jersey. So these are amazing people that can really help uh, in a large way. You can get a larger benefit by impacting more people, specifically in education and jobs. Jobs are a real hot button for me because there are People without jobs, and in our industry especially, jobs without people. And I'm like on a mission to help that. I actually have uh, something I'm really proud of. I sit on the board of the Urban Assembly School of Global Commerce. It's a high school in New York City devoted to supply chain. Hmm. And so really looking to build that 
platform to help these kids, you know, achieve better opportunities in life, but as well as to fill the void in, in supply chain. I love that because there's so many, I, I think over the last year, we've really learned, I think the greater population, not, not just us folks who are in the industry, but the rest of people that they've learned when the toilet paper is not on the shelves at the grocery store, what's affecting that. And so people started uh, getting more of an interest into supply chain and how it works, where their products are coming from. And so I think we're also seeing um, what, what I heard coined as radical transparency. Um, certain brands now are letting you know their exact costs. I think Campbell's Soup w- was one of these examples of where they source their materials and and how much pricing that they include and, and, and how much an upcharge that they include. And there was a lot of fear initially that why would we release this kind of information? But then sales started to increase because people supported the brand because they knew where their stuff was coming from. And I think we're going to be seeing uh, more of that across the board. And as supply chain becomes just a greater awareness for, based on programs like that, because it really is about the younger people and getting them involved and getting them enthusiastic about supply chain and where their stuff comes from. I, I think that that's, you're, you're doing a great job there. And I actually used, and it wasn't the intention, but you know, it just unfolded where some of the, the, the uh, videos series that I was doing, I was utilizing, you know, I sat in on weekly sessions with the principal and the teachers of the school and they were struggling, hmm. you know, taught enough to teach these kids. And then they were virtual. So I said, why not teach them, you know, you're in the supply chain, teach them about the vaccine. So they started to do this and they started to utilize it. And it's like, hey, there's a great example here and the kids could connect to it. Right. They could understand what it meant and how to tie it back to supply chain. Hmm. So now I want to do that at a higher level with kids in community colleges. And that's the opportunity with CSCMP that's really uh, exciting to me to do that with community colleges in the metropolitan area. Uh, Rutgers University and to be able to really build that bridge to really help the students and help our industry. Love that. Always great insight. Uh, Sandy, where can people find more of your work and, and follow these great programs that, that, that you're a part of? Thanks so much. I mean, one way is just on LinkedIn. I, I really use that a lot to share, you know, what I'm doing and, and networking from that perspective. My website is really a good reflection of who I am, what I do. And like I said, there's some great video testimonials. It's always better to hear what somebody else says than you talking about yourself. (laughs) But that's advantage-ts, as in techsupport.com. And uh, my email address is svosk at advantage-ts.com. And welcome any and all, you know, uh, feedback. Absolutely. I'll be sure to list those in the show notes. So anybody who's interested in following more of your work, it'll, I'll just make it super easy on them in order to check out your website, email you, follow you on LinkedIn, all that good stuff. Sandy, thank you so much for joining us. Thank and, you. And I could speak to you for hours. Right. This is phenomenal. <laughs> I know we just killed uh, uh, about 30 minutes and just easy. It's, just, it's an easy conversation. That's the benefit of being in person again. So, so thank you again. And uh, I hope you, I hope more people check out the work you're doing. So I think it's important. Thank you very, very much. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Digital Dispatch Podcast. As always, you can find each show I publish along with more insight over on my website, digitaldispatch.io. If you like this podcast, then I think you'll love another show that I host, Cyberly, which covers the attention economy, B2B marketing, tech, and how it all ties into the world of logistics. That show airs every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, live on FreightWaves TV. 
There are also some links to my social media accounts along with my products and services that might be of interest to you. You can find them in the show notes or again over on my website at digitaldispatch.io. If you found this episode interesting and or entertaining, be sure to share it with a friend. Word of mouth is the best kind of marketing. And since podcast discoverability has and remains an issue in this medium, I trust and rely on folks like yourself that will share it with those who would also find it useful. Until next time, my name is Blythe Bromley, and I will see you real soon.